Good morning, Antioch family. I want to welcome you to this space where we're all together this morning. Uh, what, a, what a glorious morning. Uh, I hope you've been out just to, to let the sun shine on you. And, and even as you woke up, that you felt the, the light of God's face uh, shining on you this morning. Uh, I want to welcome all of our guests who might be joining us this morning. We're so thankful that you're a, a part of our time together uh, as Antioch Waltham and uh, would love for you to, at the point where you'd like to learn more about our uh, the congregation, and our community, there's a, an opportunity for you to uh, connect virtually uh, through uh, a card that's going to be shared, a virtual card that you can click on and, and connect to us. We'll reach out to you. Uh, and uh, man, this is a, it's a, it's a unique season right now of us connecting uh, in relationship, but we're, it's, we're making it happen. And uh, just affirm and applaud every, every effort that you make on a daily basis to, to connect with neighbors, uh, friends, family, colleagues. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord is deepening relationships in this season. And if you're a guest, we want to get to know you. I want to let you know that at the end of our, uh, or towards the end of the service today, we're going to be praying over Sean and Laura as that we send the Richmonds out on a, on a year uh, of renewal for them. So, so stay tuned, stay with us. Uh, that's, that's going to be a really significant piece of uh, our, our service a little bit later. Um, I want to remind you to continue uh, looking at the Staying Current e-newsletter that goes out on a weekly basis. Uh, if you're not signed up for that, you can you can go online and uh, there's a place to to sign up for that on our on our homepage. And uh, one one thing I want to highlight is we're continuing to partner with DCF, the Department of Children and Families, in caring for families who have been hard hit by uh, COVID. And so uh, we'll, you can there'll be an update in this coming uh, week's e-newsletter to let you know more about that. Um, I want to open us in prayer here. Uh, let me let me open our time. Uh, and we'll just, let's go to the Lord together. Lord, we worship you. We worship you as a King of Kings and of Lord of Lords. Uh, we worship you as a as a church uh, who is uh, led by you, Jesus, as our head. Uh, even in this time, in this place, uh, you are our center. Uh, you're the one that we worship. You're the one that we trust. You're the one that we bring uh, our fears, our, 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 our uh, grieving, uh, uh, our pain, Lord Jesus. You're the one that we, that we come to, and you're the one that we stand upon as our rock. You're our safe place, our refuge that we rest in. Uh, and, and Lord, we cry out to you, Jesus, that you would make us one. Uh, in this time and in this place that we would be your body knit together in Jesus name amen so this week uh, this week was a was a grievous week uh, uh, and and there, there's there's layer upon layer uh, the, the killing of George Floyd uh, is one layer, you know, add, add that to, to other layers that have happened recently, like the killing of Maud Arbery. Uh, but then you go back, we're talking uh, layers of history for, for this nation, and we are grieving right now. And, and I want to I ask you, why is it important for the church to enter into this place of grieving, to enter into this place of, of wrestling with injustice. And, and my first answer to you is that we serve a God who's the foundation of his throne. Psalms 89 says the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. Loving kindness goes before him. That hesed, that long-suffering love goes before him. And if we are called to be a kingdom of royal, if we are a royal priesthood, then we must, we must enter into this place of injustice, of inequity, uh, of what does it look like for his body to be one, and also entering into the space around us. 
And so uh, Pierce and Tulia are, are going to, to lead us in a time now of, of lamenting, of interceding, uh, and, and of processing as a body. What does it look like for us to enter into this, this place together? Amen. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, we, we've had recently a, a number of lives taken from us, uh, added to the list of, uh, of black and brown people who have lost their lives due to violent prejudice. Uh, we, we have uh, George Floyd recently, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery recently, and, and there's been many others. We want to first and foremost take a, a brief moment of silence just to honor and respect their lives and to mourn with the families of those who have lost loved ones due to prejudice and the communities that experience, experience that injustice on, uh, on a daily basis. So please enter into a, a moment of silence with us. And I want to break that silence with word of God coming from Psalm 129. It's the first four verses. The word of God says, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth. Let Israel say, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory over me. Plowmen have plowed my back and made their furrows long, but the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. And before we share um, our message, I just want to acknowledge that Pierce and I are one voice um, among a multitude of voices for people grieving, of, of people of color grieving in different stages of grieving. Um, so I want to acknowledge that we are just sharing from our perspective and we're not speaking on behalf of everyone. In our church, we have people from various walks of life with differing views on society and politics. We don't all agree on how to address racial inequalities or even agree on what those inequalities are or how bad they are. But we can agree that God's heart is grieved when the lives of his children with darker skin are valued less than those of, a, of lighter complexion. We see injustice in the current pandemic. COVID-19 has devastated communities and lives across the world in, in, of, of all different ethnic and, and racial uh, persuasions, but the spread of the virus has unearthed inequities in the healthcare system and in other social structures in that communities of color have seen disproportionate infections and deaths, as well as economic impact from the, the pandemic. We see injustice in the senseless killings of people of color, of, of uh, black people specifically, and how these deaths cause a release of pent up grief and frustration in communities of color that have experienced racial disparities for generations. People of color made in God's image are suffering unjustly, but we know that God sees the tears of those who suffer and he comes to the aid of the oppressed. The Psalms give us a model for lament lamenting oppression and calling out to God for justice. As believers, we choose prayer as our first response, knowing that God hears and responds. Most everyone, in in this country is choosing to respond in one way or another to the wounds that racism has caused in our society by speeches, by social media, by protests, both peaceful and not, and many by silence. And if, if as a believer, you're either choosing to stay silent or you're choosing to condemn the protests or those who are grieving, then you've missed a vital step. Romans 12, 9, 10, tells us love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12, 15 goes on to tell us, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who, are, who mourn. We cannot remain silent or condemn without mourning the injustices and hating the evil of racism. I implore you to check your hearts for any obstacles that are stopping you from being able to enter into the grief that black and brown 
sisters and brothers of Christ are experiencing right now? Over the, the coming weeks, uh, oh, this week specifically, as, as well as just going forward as a, as a church, we're going to have spaces for everyone to, to come together and process what, uh, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and, and to, to pray through the injustices that are, are going on. Uh, one of those, uh, we, we've got others in the, in the works, but one of those is going to be a space specifically for people of color to come together on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, I believe that's June 6th uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, for us to get a, uh, a Zoom call together, uh, people of color to come together and, and speak to one another on the what we're feeling, what we're thinking. And uh, also uh, there comes a point where you wanna step forward from speaking and praying to take action, but sometimes you don't know where to act or what exactly to do, we're gonna take a, uh, have time to share what we know of the the sort of resources, the sort of uh, things that we know of where we can take action, uh, both publicly and just in daily life. Uh, and we also uh, want to communicate that uh, that that space is uh, is valuable for uh, for people of color just to be able to come together uh, for that specific purpose. And then also we're going to have other spaces where everyone uh, can come together and and speak and, and pray and process together. Uh, but we want to end our, our time with a brief moment of prayer as well. Father God, we enter into the, the grief and lamentation that you are experiencing over what is happening in our country, uh, the injustices that exist, the violence that exists, the, the grief that exists in, in communities of color. God, we pray that your justice and your love would enter into our, our social systems, into our personal lives, and that we would be people who show the world what it means to respond to hatred and injustice with love and compassion, Father God. Show us how to pray, show us where to act, and show us how to love like you love. Father, sacrificially and unconditionally, God. Let our voices be heard in your, in your throne room and also let our voices be heard in the community that racism and uh, pre prejudice and injustice are abhorrent to you, Father God, and that the, the ills in, in society that are caused by those factors would be, uh, would be abolished by your mighty hand, Father God. Give us strength in this time and let our voices be heard. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Christopher. It's powerful. Um, I want to just encourage everybody, just stay in that place of, uh, of worship, even as we transition here into a time where we're going to um, get into God's word a bit. Uh, I want to encourage you just to stay in that place. The goal is to be aware of his presence. Um, to be aware of his nearness, to be aware of all that he's, he's speaking and doing um, in us. And uh, actually, to, be, to begin uh, this time, I want to just encourage everyone to close their eyes. Um, I'm going to read, a, uh, we're going to be spending some time uh, looking at Pentecost um, and thinking a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and how we access the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to start in somewhat an unlikely place, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll help make the connection for us momentarily. Um, Isaiah 42, I want to read this, and I, I, I want to encourage everybody to the degree that you, you can, um, just close your eyes. And uh, I want you to just hear these words and let See what you want to see. Just take in what you want to take in. Um, these words that Jesus took up as primarily about his life and his commission, but the early church view, viewed this passage as part of their mission and commission as well. It says this, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my 
spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit accessing the power of the Holy Spirit was actually central to Jesus's life. It was central to what he was doing and, and, and his mission and our and his commission to us is founded upon living in the having an, an experience of the power of the Holy Spirit that leads us into this place of Isaiah 42, bringing justice, uh, seeing justice established on the whole earth. Uh, this is what he's doing, and this is what we're a part of uh, in this season and in this time. And uh, we, still have a we still have a long way to go uh, because justice has not been fully established uh, yet on, on the earth. Um, but Pentecost, what a relevant uh, Sunday for us to find ourselves in. The spirit being poured out on Jesus was central to everything that he did. Uh, and then as he was transitioning, uh, he was about to leave. Um, he, he was saying to his disciples, uh, as in John, it says, as the father sent me, so now I send you. And if his, if he needed access to the Holy Spirit, if God in flesh needed access to the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? And, but the great thing is that he lived that life uh, as an example to us, that we would live that way. And, and, and in so many ways, that's, that's what Pentecost is all about. So I want you to think of a place in your life this morning <clears throat> and in our lives where you're aware that you need access to more of the power of the Holy Spirit. It could relate to this season. It's not even a season, but this grieving that we've been talking about, uh, the places of injustice uh, that exist so prevalently in our society and in our churches and in our lives. It could be, that could be the place that you're feeling this need I need more access to power from the Holy Spirit. It could be other places, though. Uh, if you, I, I did like a short list, uh, a quick, uh, just this week, thinking, okay, where do I need access to the power of the Holy Spirit? And, and you know, right away, one of the things was engaging and processing all that's going on uh, with the, the racial tensions and injustice in our country. Um, Crazy, like dealing with COVID realities was like fifth on the list. And I'm like, wow, I'm experiencing stress this week when that's fifth on the list. <laughs> but yeah, uh, transitioning into a new role, uh, learning to work with Brendan, uh, which is amazing. And but we're figuring it out. Uh, about to have a second child. I'm going, God, I need power from the Holy Spirit to wake up in the middle of the night that much again. And uh, just, you know, we're, so we started potty training Gabe two weeks ago. Like power, I need access to power from the Holy Spirit on that. Um, there's just, honestly, the list could go on. I want you to think of something. Where, where is a place where you're saying, I need access? to more of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Uh, and it could be more than one, but get at least one thing front and center um, this morning. So that's what we're going to be looking at. All right, so uh, turn with me to Acts 1-4. Acts 1-4. I'm uh, 
gonna turn there. I'm actually gonna turn there. Uh, just to give you guys some time, just try and keep up. Okay, Acts 1-4, we're gonna read Acts 1-4 through eight. Uh, this is Jesus before, right before his ascension. So this is 40 days. We're 50 days after Easter right now. That's uh, kind of in the, in the church world these days. That's how we celebrate Pentecost. It's 50 days after Easter. And uh, so this is, four, this is 10 days ago. Uh, this was 40 days after Jesus' um, resurrection. On one occasion, while he was eating with the apostles, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the dates the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, you, you, you can stay there. Uh, I just I want to read um, end of Luke. He, he gives... We hear Luke describing Jesus saying this in, in, a, in a similar way. Um, he says this, again, uh, to, to wait. He says, you're witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I like that. Until you have been clothed with power from on high. If I could summarize uh, or put it into kind of one phrase, what is Jesus, what's Jesus saying uh, to, his, to his main disciples at this point in time? It would be this. He was saying, wait and then cooperate. Wait, then cooperate. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come in power and to come on you and to clothe you with power and then cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. So they stay, they stay 10 days in Jerusalem. They didn't live there. They could, they, they could have gone back to their houses, but they stay in Jerusalem. There's this cluster of people uh, beyond just the disciples. Um, and they weren't just waiting passively. Uh, as you read through in Acts here, uh, they're not waiting passively. In, in verse 14, it says they all join together constantly in prayer. Uh, so they are communing with God. They're engaging with God uh, together. Uh, there's, there, I wonder what that prayer was. There's no way for us to know. I don't know. Were they, were they praying the Lord's Prayer a lot? That's how Jesus taught them to pray. Uh, part of me wonders if if Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes, then, you know, get on your way uh, or, or cooperate with that. I wonder if part of the prayer was, come Holy Spirit. It was like, we don't necessarily want to wait here the rest of our lives. So come Holy Spirit. I don't know. Um, they're working on their leadership strategy. Uh, Peter and the leaders, they, they kind of, they take Judas's place. They fill in with the 12th apostle. Um, so they're, they're not passive in their waiting. They're seeking the Lord in this place of waiting. But, but there is a place where Jesus is saying, um, wait, don't just rush, at, rush ahead in your own power or in your own plans. All right, Acts 2, 1 through 4. So 10 days in, this is what happens. It's the day of Pentecost. That day came, it says. Now, Pentecost was one of the three main um, feasts on the Israel calendar, and uh, it, was, it was celebrating the wheat harvest. And then over over time, it became associated with other things like the renewal of the, the Mosaic Covenant, and also um, even thinking that maybe that's 
uh, connected with when God gave uh, the original law to, to Moses. Um, but anyway, it, it was one of the feasts. So there's lots of people uh, who have traveled all over to worship God in Jerusalem, where this is taking place. So that day came, Pentecost came, and they're all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, in other languages, uh, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I just want to let you know something. This is going to be a little bit of an odd Pentecost sermon uh, because I'm not going to read the rest of the story to you right now. Uh, I commend it to you. I commend you to read beyond verse 4. But I actually want to say in many ways, uh, the rest of the story is not only what happens in chapter 2. The rest of the story is what happens in the, the rest of the book of Acts, in the rest of the early church. Actually, we are the rest of the story in many ways, even, even right now. Uh, the story, uh, it's, this isn't all just about what happened over, well, I guess less than 2,000 years ago when this took place. Uh, it's about that the Holy Spirit came as they were waiting, and then God's people, as the Holy Spirit was poured out on everybody, they cooperated, and the church advanced and moved forward. The rest of the story is wait, and then cooperate, and then wait, and then cooperate, and then wait, and then cooperate. It's interesting, Acts 4.31, you move ahead just a little bit, And uh, see, a lot of the similar people that were just a part of Acts 2, uh, as as the Holy Spirit came in that way, and then powerful things unfolded. Acts uh, 4.31, it says this, uh, after some things took place, they prayed. Again, there's this place of prayerfully seeking God and waiting on what he has. The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly from that place. Wait and cooperate. You go a little bit farther, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Acts 9, uh, Paul, Saul, gets blinded on the road to Damascus. And it's interesting, after he gets blinded, this is what Jesus says to him, now get up, and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. It's as if Jesus is saying, get up, go into the city, and wait. (laughs) And this is interesting. In in verse 917, uh, as Ananias uh, appears to him, he says, Jesus has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So even as Saul has this encounter with the risen Jesus, he's essentially saying, hey, go wait in the city and then wait till I do what's next and then cooperate. And part of that cooperation is that he has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then even in Paul's life, we see this lifestyle of, no, of recognizing that he needs to wait and be present to God moment by moment and then cooperate with what God is doing. I was talking to Jesse about this this week a little bit. And I, I started to realize it, it seems as though I couldn't think of people in the Bible who didn't have to wait and then cooperate with what God was doing. Abraham, God saying, wait and cooperate. Uh, Sarah, David, Jesus, Uh, time and time again, Jesus is simply waiting and then cooperating. Uh, He's saying, I only see, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. I only say what I I hear the Father in heaven saying. Uh, 
wait and cooperate. Uh, you know, I want to say too, wait isn't necessarily a time period. It can be, but it's more a posture of the heart. It's a posture of our lives to, to come before uh, God in humility, submitting our plans and our purposes and, and our, our just go for it mentality to him. And so we're waiting and then we're cooperating. I want to share something. Um, uh, I want to share something about just how I was processing this in the midst of um, COVID. And um, hold on, where's my, I need to find my, oh, here it is. Um, so early on in the uh, COVID journey here that we've been on, so we had that first week. I don't know if you guys remember it. It was right in the middle of the March kind of teens, like 12, 13, I don't know, in there a little bit before into that. And um, it was, I was, I was feeling really overwhelmed just by everything. And so kind of that whole, that first week unfolded. And then I don't know if you guys remember, we, it was, it happened so fast and we didn't have, we didn't have a church gathering that Sunday morning. And um, it was, it was a lot to take in. And uh, anyway, I, I just wanted to let you in. This was a significant wait and cooperate moment for me. Um, that Sunday after we, it was the Sunday we had, we just kind of emailed all of you a template and said, hey, in your houses, connect with God, connect with Jesus. Um, we're working on more of a plan. And that Sunday afternoon, I, I asked Jesse, I just said, hey, I, I just need a few minutes here. I just, I just, I need, Gabe's napping. I need to get some time. I just need to be with Jesus. I'm feeling so many different things right now. And uh, I just, I wanted to let, this isn't a whole journal entry, but I just went and I, I got before the Lord, not knowing what was going to unfold, but knowing that I was just, had so many things I needed to meet with him. And uh, I just, I just got in his presence. And what that means to me, got in his presence. I sat on my bed, I grabbed a journal, I had headphones in, and I just started to listen to that Amanda Cook song about getting still before God. And as I did, I just started to weep. I, I, I wasn't expecting it, but uh, I started to just weep and tears just started to flow. And I just started to write things to the Lord. Um, and here's, here's one. I wanted to just share a few of the things that he sent with, said to me, because this was a wait moment. This was, a, this was a wait and meet with access's power. He said, John, I know that you feel inadequate in these types of situations. You feel shame at times over not living up to the standard that you set for yourself. And uh, in that moment, he, he actually brought me back to something that I he just kind of reminded me in my mind of an experience I had that week um, or, or a week or two ago with a counselor that I, I, I meet with on a monthly basis. And uh, I was sharing something with this counselor uh, about just a way that God had met me. And as I'm sharing, he just started to cry. And uh, it's actually crazy because I meet with him on a screen. A screen he's not local and uh and i can see he's like up here and the tears are just coming down his face as i'm sharing something kind of vulnerable with him and uh and and so the lord reminded me of this and, and he just said john kurt was his name's kurt he said he was representing me um you were sharing something really vulnerable and close to your heart and he just cried it so moved him uh, and then I, I wrote, yeah, God, he just seemed to care for me so much. And I realized that I don't always expect people to respond to me that way. And I, I wrote back again, I'm just trying to wait. This is just a one way of trying to wait. And he said, Kurt was representing me, my son. And I want to help teach you how I respond to you each and every time when you share something vulnerable and significant uh, things with me, they, 
Um, I can't actually read my handwriting right here, but it seems powerful. Uh, and then he said, every emotion you have is precious to me. I love to listen. I love to know you. I love to hear. I'm a really good listener. And I'm just weeping as I'm, as I'm feeling like, how do I manage all these different things? And, uh, and then I want to share this one with you. Um, I said that I'm not a high octane, fast paced person. And it feels like I need to be that in this season. Are you okay with that? And some of that was processing what was emerging of uh, needing to potentially step in into a different role in the life of our church. And um, God said, my son, I made you that way. Of course, I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm more than okay with that. I'm thrilled about that. It's not a weakness. It's not something you just sort of deal with. It's a gift to those who can see it and receive it. I've crafted your personality. I love it, and it's good. It's really important. It's not just for you uh, to manage in life. You're focused. You're committed to what you're doing. You're a reliable person. You're committed to follow through, and you know what that's called. It's called faithful. You're faithful, and I can trust you with things because I know uh, the more because I know the man I've created you to be. You're good at the things that you put your hand to. Now you could be saying, oh, John, why are you sharing all this? Are you just kind of patting yourself on the back in public? And no, actually, it's not actually highly comfortable for me to let you into, into this space with the Lord. Um, but I, I, I felt as prompting to share it um, because we're all carrying so many different things and there's an invitation from the Lord to wait and to meet with him and to his spirit. He loves to come and meet with us. And it's not going to, it doesn't look like this all the time. Uh, it's not always going to look like this. Um, but there's a wait invitation in this season. There's a wait and God wants to meet us. But here's the thing flowing out of this time, there was a cooperate. So I could have had this moment with the Lord, gotten some things off my chest and uh, went off and gone back to doing my own things. And, and honestly, it's a, it's a daily tension of wait and cooperate versus, I, I couldn't come up with a, a catchy opposite, but something like wait versus haste and cooperate. I couldn't think of anything that rhymed, but something about just go in your own strength and speed. And that's a daily tension I'm feeling right now. Uh, and I can tell when I get to the end of days, did I wait and cooperate and access his power that's always available? Or did I just do it all in my own strength? And, and that's, that's a moment by moment thing I'm trying to figure out and discern um, moment by moment. But I, I I keep being reminded of, of a different counselor in my life from uh, a number of years ago. Um, she used to say, you know, it's really important in life to figure out what is God's job and what is our job. So what is God's job and what's our job? Because uh, they're not always the same. So let me, let me give an example. It is God's job to pour out his unconditional love into our hearts and lives by his spirit. That's his job. Uh, that's actually a, a significant part of what he was doing uh, in this time early March that has, has impacted me throughout the last, whatever the math is, three months. Um, March, April, uh, maybe uh, three, whatever. Um, he pours out his heart, but you know, we have a job in that. I have a job in that. One of, one of the pieces is to live out of that place of who he's revealing to me um, that he's called me to be. Uh, he's, so now I have to renew my mind and live out of the place that he's, uh, he is pleased with the person that he's created me to be, uh, that he has a part for me to play. One part 
in the midst of a team, there's other people that are fast paced and higher octane. And I play an important part on the team. Uh, so I have to live into that place on the team. That's, that's my job. Uh, God's got his job. I have my job. You know, another part is, is our job is as he pours out his love into our lives. And that happens when we wait on him and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet us. He will pour out love into our lives. He loves to do it. It's what we were made for. Um, but then our job, love one another. He can't love one another for us. Uh, it's our job to take the love that he has poured out in us and uh, take that across barriers, take that across places of division, take that to places that need love. I, I want to actually, I'm going to share a sad story with you um, about this. And hopefully we can learn from it because there's relevance for us today. Now, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the Azusa Street Revival. It was a, a outpouring of the Holy Spirit in 1906. And in many ways, it's led to uh, the most significant amounts of growth in the church in the entire world, more than any other movement or event. Many church historians say Azusa Street Revival, 1906, and the move of God that spread out over the course of the, over the face of the earth uh, goes back to that. And, and it has just so significant. Okay, but research that if you're not familiar with that. I can't give all the context. But basically, it happened in Los Angeles. And uh, the, the primary, there are a few leaders, but the primary leader was an African-American man named uh, William J. Seymour. And uh, he was the son of a slave. And it was interesting, in 1905, as I was looking into this a little bit, um, he actually attended classes of a white um, pastor, preacher, teacher in a Bible school. But because of Jim Crow segregation laws at the time, actually the whole class met and he had to sit off on the side. Uh, so he didn't get to sit in this environment with all the other classmates. He had to sit on the side and listen. Um, but he did, and he was really impacted by, by some of what was shared related to um, the significance of an encounter with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being poured out. So in 1906, he's a part of, he's leading this church in Los Angeles. And, uh, on Azusa Street, and the Holy Spirit comes in major power. There's so many things we could say about that, and newspapers all across our country picked up on this. And, uh, and there's lots about the power stuff and, and crazy things. But, you know, one of the things that marked this move of God more than anything else was the way that ethnic and racial barriers were removed in the midst of the early stages of this move of God. I actually want to read you, just going to read you a couple things as I was researching this. Uh, I found uh, one article that was saying, African Americans, Latinos, whites, and others prayed and sang together, creating a dimension of spiritual unity and equality that was unprecedented for that time. It allowed men, women, and children to celebrate their unity in Christ and participate as, the, as led by the Spirit. Uh, it was so unusual that, that this mixture in that period of blacks and whites were together that one of the, uh, the people who was writing about this in the time enthusiastically exclaimed, the color line was washed away in the blood. And what he meant by this uh, is that in the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, the sin of racial prejudice had been removed by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. He wasn't saying that the, the uh, different skin colors, no statement of value there, uh, as they were all made valuable uh, in their midst, in this worship environment. That was one of the things that the world took note of more than anything else in this move of the Holy Spirit. Now the sad part. In October of 1906, this same man, his name was Charles Parham, who was teaching 
in that classroom environment, uh, he went to Los Angeles to get an experience of this himself. And uh, as he arrives there, uh, he was so deeply offended by the mixing of whites and blacks together in the worship service. And he actually uh, said that he felt that race mixing was the great sin of America. And it was at this moment, <laughs> the divisions began in this move of the Holy Spirit. The purity of what the Holy Spirit was doing. This man moves in. He starts bringing division. Even to this day, there's divisions that, that come in the body of Christ from that point in time. As this man came and got his hands on what the Holy Spirit was doing in bringing unity as God was pouring out his love across everybody. It was everyone who walked in that room became aware of how deeply loved they were. And that's the most racist person in the room became aware of how deeply loved they were. But in this environment, every person still had an experience where they needed to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit was pouring out. This guy, Charles Parham, I mean, I don't know him. He lived all these years ago. He had, an, he had a chance to cooperate or not cooperate as the Holy Spirit was being poured out in such a unique way. And we, we see this in the early church. We see the Holy Spirit being poured out on Pentecost and immediately, there's languages that are being spoken to all sorts of people beyond just uh, the Aramaic or the Hebrew. And then the story of Acts is breaking, is people responding to the initiation of the Holy Spirit to break down these barriers that man and humans have set up and put up in God's place that he never intended to be there. And you, that's a whole nother message on Acts. But, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, those are not just geographic places. Those are ethnic and social barriers that the Holy Spirit is wanting to break through to bring unity to his people, but beyond just his people to be the light of the world. And this is what God was desiring. There was actually this, uh, he was desiring through the Azusa Street Revival. And, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a big gathering a few years ago called Azusa Now in, in California. And uh, there was a prophetic word that was shared in that time as there was a significant part of that gathering that was related to desiring more of the power of the Holy Spirit and how it related to uh, racial injustice and, and the church being an example of healing and reconciliation that is has something to offer the world in that area and the prophetic word uh, was basically that god was behind initiating the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s and it was his desire that the civil rights movement would have even gone far beyond what it was able to entail but that the church had abdicated their place uh, to be the ones who carried that move forward, that the church didn't lead out in all that that was supposed to be. And, uh, and then it was less. It was less than all of what God intended to be and that God was doing something again in this day, in this hour, to bring about healing, to bring about restoration, and that it was connected with the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And so I want to just encourage us that as we all wait, as we all take a season to wait on the Holy Spirit, He will come. He will come in different ways. He will come in all sorts of ways. I can't prescribe it. There's no one prescription. Uh, it comes in different ways. It comes in different moments. But as we wait, no matter who we are, He's going to come. He will come and he will share his love. No, the, the most perverted person on this call 
If you wait on the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to come, he's going to come. And he's going to pour out his peace, his love, his, his grace on every one of us. But then the call is to cooperate. We can wait, we can experience, but then do we cooperate? Uh, there is, there is, that's our job. The part that God is calling us to is a place of cooperate. And it can mean all sorts of things. It can look like all different types of things. And, um, but there is power uh, as we allow the Lord to speak to us in how it is that he's calling us to cooperate with him. Um, I, I had a, we had somebody prepared in queue to share testimony and um, we're going to pause on that. So Lindsay, um, you're going to share in a couple weeks, uh, possibly next week. We'll see. But I, I want us to pause right here. So I, we had a story in the queue of just, wait and cooperate and the healing that God brings in that place. But we're kind of past time and God's doing something even right here in the midst of this. And so uh, Christopher is going to come back on and, um, and he's just going to play a little bit in the background, uh, a simple chorus. And the simple chorus is, is just going to be yes, Lord. It's, it's a yes, Lord. We're just going to take a couple moments here to wait in, in all of our own spaces. Let him meet you. Let him meet you in whatever it is, wherever place you need access to his power, however you need him to meet you. Some of us, it's, it's healing. We need to wait on him because we're saying, I need healing physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, a combination of all of the above. We want to wait on him. So we're going to wait. We're going to wait for just a few moments. And I just, in, in, in whatever place he's meeting you, don't rush it. Uh, but then as you're able Give the word, give the voice of cooperation to the Lord. Wherever you call, whatever you say, you know, just, I want to cooperate, Lord. The, the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is he comes whenever we call him. Whenever we call on him, he hears our cry. He comes. But then there's a call to cooperate. And so whatever the context today individually and corporately we're saying god would you come and meet us again in a fresh way today and as you do i want to cooperate with all that is that's in your heart to lead us into we want to cooperate lord christopher is just going to lead us for a few moments in our own spaces